Cap and Jay Hood. Mornings. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. All right, Cap and Jay Hood listeners, who's ready for a story? Sit back and relax as Jonathan Hood regales you with tales of frivolity. Did it really happen? We have been hoodwinked. Who knows? Bamboozled, led astray. Who cares? Be prepared to be run amok and flat out the seat. Hoodwinked. We don't get fooled again. Hoodwinked is brought to you by Lou Malnati's. When you want deep dish sports, dine in, curbside pickup, and no contact delivery. Lou Malnati's. The passion runs deep. Okay, so Hoodie usually is the one telling the story here, but he has the, the day off. The uh, creative genius. Correct. So I will tell you a story. You cannot tell us the Kevin Garnett story. You cannot tell us the Dirk Nowitzki story. Really? We know the answers to that. You sure you know the Dirk story? I'm, I'm pretty positive. I think I could tell that in my sleep. Wow. Uh, okay, I have another one from my coaching scouting days. Uh, let's bring in John from Valparaiso. He is listening. Hey, John, you ready to do this? Yeah, let's do this, Cap. Okay, so here's how it goes. I am going to tell a story. You, Danny, and Meller will get together and discuss whether what I'm telling you is the truth or not the truth. And if you guys get it right... You get dinner at Lou Malnati's for you and your family, okay? All right, sounds good. All right, so I am coaching basketball at Northern Illinois University. And there are rules. You're not allowed to walk up to a player at a high school game. You can't talk to them. Everything is monitored. You can get slapped with violations. First of all, I get in the car in DeKalb, a little Plymouth Omni with Northern Illinois University slapped on the side. An AM radio is all I got. I get in the car, and I drive all the way to Hutchinson, Kansas. Danny, that's a long drive. Oh, yeah. Nine and a half, ten hours? Yep. I get there, and the first game of this tournament, Thanksgiving week, is at 7 a.m. I'm the youngest assistant coach recruiting in Division One in the country. I get there 6.30. I watch the teams warm up. There is no one else in the stands but me. Nobody. I see this kid, and I'm like, boy, that kid's big and strong. Whoa, that kid's playing with the ball in his hands. He's a guard. I got to watch this guy. This guy gets like 28 points. I look around. There is not a coach to be seen because they all went drinking the night before. So I sneak behind the stands, and I motion to this kid. No one can see us. Nobody can get a picture of me. And I start talking to him. I said, hey, who's recruiting you? Nobody. I said, nobody's recruiting you? You're pretty good. We'll offer you a scholarship right now. He said, done. I'm in. I, no one's offered me anything. Can I visit next weekend? Yes, you can. But I'm coming, man. I want to be on your team. Done deal. The next day, he's not playing at 7 a.m. He's playing at 7 p.m. So all these coaches that have been drinking are now all at the game. He gets 38 points. He may end up in the Hall of Fame. He is an amazing player. Is that story true 
or am I trying to hoodwink you? All right, John, any initial thoughts here? How are you feeling about this one? Uh, I think I, I felt as if when he started the story that, like, I could see this could be true. But towards the end there, I just found myself, like, smiling. Like, there's, I just feel like there's no way that this is uh, inaccuracy. Here's what I'm thinking, boys. 95% of this story sounds like it's real. Mm-hmm. But when he yeah, throws yeah. in at the end that the kid could have be a Hall of Famer, right. that that's where I say to myself, all right, he's hoodwinking us. See, I don't know, because like, yeah. everybody gets into the Basketball Hall of Fame, but I'm with you, Danny, on the idea that 95% of the story is true. Who doesn't have a, a, an FM radio? You only had an AM radio cap? I don't understand. AM radio is all I got. <laughs> I That's all to, you need. That's I li- all you I need. I listen I to Stephen Gary all the way. I understand, but you didn't. You, you, so you, your car did not have an FM radio band? Did not. How did that work? Explain it to me. I'm too young. All it had was that scratchy AM whatever. All right. All right. I guess he makes uh, He has an answer to that question, John. Yeah, I, I, I just, like, I think I'm with you guys with 95% is true. I think towards the end there, oh, I, was, I just found myself, like, laughing, and I, I kind of wanted to stop him and say, oh, BS, right, right in the so middle of... Uh, so you think there. there's a small detail in there that is making this story false? I don't know, Danny, what do you think? I'm, I'm going hoodwink. The, the Hall of Fame for yeah. me, listen, we've heard, Dirk Nowitzki's a Hall of Famer. We've heard that story a thousand times. Uh, Kevin Garnett, Hall of Famer, we've heard that story a thousand times. I feel like if this was a legit about a Hall of Famer, we would have heard this story more than just today. I- I'm going yeah, hoodwinked. I'm, I'm saying he's I'm going hoodwinked as well. All right, I'll go with the, we'll go with the majority, but I feel like uh, I don't think Cap uh, can fake it. So I do think this story is true, but we'll go with the majority and say that Cap is trying to hoodwink us. Okay, so just so you all know, you should have listened to Meller because Mitch Richmond is in the damn Basketball Hall of Fame. (laughs) But he's not in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. Oh, yeah, he is. Yes, he is. Everybody's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Voted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2014. Again, everybody makes the Basketball Hall of Fame. And that guy had (laughs) nobody recruiting him. You play 10 years in the NBA, you're going into the Hall of Fame. I tell you, Mitch Richmond, if he didn't go to Kansas State, he would be a great player. Yeah, if you come with me at Northern, oh my God. He'd have been in in 2004. Sure. Hey, John. Yeah. Because I love Valpo, hang on, I'll buy your dinner. (laughs) I know the marketing uh, director. I sleep with her. Okay? <laughs> hold on, hold on. That seems inappropriate. We have, for, for the sake of hoodie, John, which radio station yeah. just gave you some pizza at Lou Malnati's? ESPN 1000. You're the man. Have a great day, John. Bye. Enjoy dinner. Okay, hey. kid? Bye. There you go. Uh, and Hoodwinked, presented by Lou Malnati's. The passion runs deep. Yep, I knew when he had... The 7 p.m. game, because they were still alive. The dream was dead. I'm in trouble here. I called our head coach, the late John McDougal. Coach, I just offered a scholarship. You did what? I haven't seen the kid. I go, trust me. (laughs) Just trust me. He's amazing. And, of course, that night, 38 points later, see ya. I like you superseding your authority and just handing out scholarship offers. It was unbelievable. Anyway. Uh, 312-332-3776. Very quickly, Dan's in Barrington. Hey, Dan, what's up, Sparkles? Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, um, in order for me, it's got to be Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo. And Camp, I, I, 
I got to ask you that day that the report came out that, you know, the world's smallest violins because the Cubs only offered Rizzo with his bad back 70 million. I would love for you to get Jesse back on today because Morosi, Passan, all these national guys now, and I would love for you to ask your guy when he comes on later. They're all saying he made a horrific mistake, and there is no team besides this idiotic one that is run by Jed Hoyer that would offer this dude five years. He knows he messed up. So I, I would love you to ask him just straight up, how dumb are you and your agent for passing up $70 Because he's never getting that money back. Cap, that ship has sailed. you got to agree. Who's going to give five years $70 million to a dude who cannot get on the field? He can't get on the field. When's he going to play again? What's wrong with this dude? We'll find out today. We'll ask him. Well, are you going to ask him? No, I'm not discussing his contract with him today because there's no negotiations going on. I mean, period. Uh, yeah, I, I love Dan with the uh, bravado there, but uh, it's just, it's just kind of rude to ask someone, "Hey, how dumb are you?" Uh, exactly. That's that. You know, right? That lacks a little bit of tact or class. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Justin Fields is really, really popular. Really. David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood. Welcome, fans. This is Cap and J Hood on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the new ESPN Chicago app. Hello. Football on ESPN 1000. Hello, Bert. Albert Breer. Hey, Bert. Senior NFL writer for SI.com joins Cap and J Hood. Bert's it. What? You're it, Bert. On ESPN 1000. What do you mean I'm it? We see, that's the game. I just tagged you, and you're it until you tag somebody else. Albert Breer. No, no, I'm not playing a game. I'm reading, Ernie, and I'm not it. Okay. On Chicago's Home for Sports. But Bert is it. Albert Breer, every Tuesday. Guys, so connected, entertaining, fun. And he joins us here on Cap. And Jay Hood, there's a lot going on in the football world. Now it appears that the Bears may actually have a quarterback battle. Hmm. Who knew? You trade up to number 11, you might actually let the guy compete. Albert, good morning. What's up, man? I'm great. How are you doing, Cap? I am doing well. Hoodie's got the day off, but I want to ask you your thoughts on these reports now that OTAs begin, and actually Matt Nagy is going to let them compete for the job. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, like, I think there are steps that you have to take here, right? Like, and I, I think it's pretty natural, and I, I can remember a million stories like this one, and I think I, I, I've said this to you guys a few times now that, um, you know, the whole idea of a red shirt sounds good on draft day, but then slowly, you, you, you know, you usually hear teams detach from it, and um, and the reason why, like, the red shirt's ideal in the first place is because, if you think about it, it makes sense. Like, that, me, uh, giving a guy a red shirt means the team's playing well, means the veteran starter's playing well, means the rookie gets to sit. Usually it doesn't, you know, work out that I, in, in that ideal of a mat manner. And, um, you know, look, I, I, I think I said this to you guys last week, really, I think the next few weeks are a critical time for Justin Fields in um, that this is his opportunity to earn reps with the ones when we get to camp, right? So if you're Justin Fields right now, if you're going to have an opportunity to win the job week one, what you have to do is convince the coaches 
that they need to see what you look like with the first team during training camp, which then puts you head-to-head with Andy Dalton to win the job. And so, you know, that's going to come down to how fast he picks up the offense, um, what he looks like running the offense, how his teammates respond to him, all that stuff that goes along with being a quarterback. You know, I'm sure Matt Nagy and um, you know, Bill Lazor and John Filippo and all those guys are going to be watching that very, very closely over the next few weeks because that's going to determine how they handle the reps when you get to training camp and how you handle the reps when you get to training camp. Uh, that's a very, very important piece of, 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 of how you decide um, who the star is going to be and whether or not it's a legitimate competition. And all you guys got to do is look back to last year and see the way that and how meticulous Matt was about splitting up the reps between uh, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles um, to know that you know how he splits up the reps between Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, and Nick Foles this time around is going to be important. Do you think Nick Foles is on this roster come training camp time? Because I was reading something in the New York yeah. papers this morning that the Jets really don't have a backup unless yeah. the kid they got from uh, San Francisco, Nick Mullins, is healthy and they don't know. Yeah, I, I think Nick. So I think Foles. I think the Bears are okay with having Foles on their roster, and I think they recognize that this. You know, it's a. You know, having him having him there could be good for for Justin Fields, which is what this ultimately should be all about, right? Like that quarterback room's got to be a good place for Justin Fields, and you know, everybody who's been around Nick Foles over the course of his career loves him to a man. I mean, to a point where it almost became a problem for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. You know, so. Uh, I, I don't think the Bears are. Um, I, I don't think the Bears are averse to the idea of having Nick Foles around. That said, his contract's tough, man. You know, like, uh, it, it, and, and I think that you know, going into this offseason for obvious reasons, his contract was seen as a little bit of an albatross. And so, if somebody's willing to come along and pick up the tab and get you off the hook and get you out of that contract, and the Bears are super close to the salary cap right now, so give the Bears some more breathing room where maybe if some opportunities come along, you know, during camp, um, you know, you can maybe take advantage of some of those. The Bears would be silly not to look at it. And so I think that added to the fact that, you know, the, the Jets struck out on Brian Hoyer, who they had looked at, at bringing in as sort of a veteran mentor uh, for Zach Wilson. And because Nick Foles fits that sort of role really well, um, and Joe Douglas, the GM in New York, was was in Philadelphia with um, with Nick Foles. You add all of it up, and and it, and it certainly makes sense that um, you know maybe the combination of the the Jets needing a mentor for um, for Zach Wilson in the quarterback room, having the cap space to do it, and then the Bears, you know, having a desire maybe to get out of that contract, all of it matches up. Okay, so let's talk about Julio Jones because there's all these different reports. I know there's twenty million of cap space in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan yeah. was his OC, but you wrote something, and I've seen it since you wrote it. Someone else has said it. If he has a big year, he's going to go. I want new paper. I mean, when does it end? Because I don't know how much more money you could heap at a thirty-three-year-old receiver. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's part of the equation. I mean. Look, like, you know, he went looking for more money uh, with three years left on his deal in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and that was, like, the, the Falcons had to sort of, I, I mean, I guess almost break, you know, company protocol to do that. And that's not to say he's a bad dude or he's greedy. 
Like, I'm not saying that at all. He's a businessman, you know, and I think because of the way he came into the league, um, he had a Jones fracture just before the combine, and um, he's dealt with that foot injury for the entirety of his career. He's managed a number of different injuries over the course of his career, and he's done great doing it, obviously. He's a Hall of Famer. But, I, you know, I think because, you know, he's a guy who's always had his football mortality kind of in, right in front of him, um, you know, he's sort of always approached it as a business. And that's to his credit, you know. And so I, I think he's probably more aware than most players are of how fleeting this can be and how it's important that he approaches it as a business and it's important that he makes every dollar he can while, you know, his body is still able to – to, to, to merit those checks coming in. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I think it's on the, I, I, like, look, like I, I, like I think every team that's, that's looking at doing this is cognizant of that. And I even had, you know, the ex Falcons GM, um, Thomas Dimitrov on my podcast last week. And he is, he loves Julio, right? Like he, like that was his biggest move outside of maybe drafting Matt Ryan in 13 years of being the GM in Atlanta, Julio helped him get to a Super Bowl. But, you know, I mean, he was very, you know, he was very blunt about the reality of it that, you know, if Julio has a huge year this year, which is what you're hoping for, you know, then you're probably looking at trying to pay him again because he's only got $22 million left on his deal over the final two years, which is about half of what the top receivers in the league are making right now. So if you look at a guy like, Aaron Rodgers, and he's at this impasse. And the Packers have said, we'll give you a new contract, no problem. And he says, no, I'm not interested. When when I'm covering baseball, I know July 31st, like seven days leading into it, I got to have my phone fully charged. I tell my wife, hey, I'm on call. If a trade goes down with the Cubs or White Sox, I got to be on top of it. For you, June 1st is your tax day. Are you expecting... Julio, Aaron Rodgers, any other big names to get moved where Albert's on call? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm my radar is certainly up, and I think this is a big week for Julio um, because up until now, um, the Falcons, like logistically, if you look at their cap situation, they like couldn't trade Julio, um, you know, until they couldn't they, they because it, actually because the way his contract sets up, if they traded him before June 1st, they actually executed the move. Um, then they would put themselves over the salary cap. And, you know, really, like, the only way it made good sense to do it was to do it after June 1st, where a bunch of the money moves to 2022, the dead money on this contract. And I won't bore you on the details of how that works. I actually did a primer on it on the website. If anybody's really interested in the math, on that, uh, you guys can check that out. But, but yeah, I mean, like, for Julio, um, you know, like, up until today – like really, like all that the Falcons were going to do with anybody was agree to a deal, and now you know being past June first, you're all right. Like now we can execute a deal, and so you know when we do when we're making you know and when we're coming to an agreement with you now, um, you know then that's going to be binding. And like because of that, like you know I think that the, the hope is that the Falcons, at least in the Falcons part is that teams are going to have to show all of their cards this week. And so I know the hope is they get a deal done. Um, you know, certainly I think, you know, this, this date has been one we've been looking at with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson as well. Um, and it was one that everybody kind of had their eye on looking down the line on those two. 
I just don't think the Packers and Seahawks are of any mind to move those guys. You know, my understanding is Russell Wilson's come to an agreement, you know, where uh, like I'm going to be on the team in 2021 and I'm going to work towards being on the team in 2021. And we'll see what happens after that. I don't think it guarantees anything past this year, but I think Russell Wilson's ready to play for the Seahawks in 2021. Aaron Rodgers' deal is still, um, his situation is still way more up in the air. But I would say right now the Packers aren't really interested in listening to what anybody has to say as far as trade offers go. Um, and I just, I mean, based on the way the Packers have approached this, I, you know, I, I, I'd be surprised if he was traded this offseason. All right, last thing before I ask you what's in your phone. You tweeted over the weekend, is there any more unlikable team in sports right now than the Brooklyn Nets. I agree with you. I am cheering openly against them. I am not a Brooklyn Nets fan. I don't like Kyrie. KD, I used to love. I'm not a huge fan of him anymore. Harden, eh, okay. They're talented. Why do you dislike them? Because I do. I'm right there with you. I mean, I just think, like, all right, so, like, I... With championship teams, I'd like to see there being at least some team-building acumen that went into putting the whole thing together, mm-hmm. right? Like, did was there any of that here? None. None. I mean, they cleared cap space, right? Like, that's all they did. I mean, and the precursor to this was actually making, like, one of the most disastrous trades in NBA history, which was the deal for Pierce and Garnett all those years ago. And so there was no skill that went into building this team. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think it makes it them particularly likable that you had a couple of guys conspiring to do this while they were under, on other teams' rosters. Um, you know, Kyrie and, I mean, like, look, like, because I'm in Boston, that's part of it. But, I mean, I don't know that you could have an uglier exit than he did. I mean, he made a commercial saying that he wanted to have his number retired as a Celtic. He said to a crowd at a fan event that he was planning on re-signing, he was seen at the All-Star game basically whispering to Durant, you know, and there was, came out later that they were making plans to sign Brooklyn after the year. And then he quit on the team in the playoffs, you know. Yep. Um, you know, you look at Durant, and, I, you know, I, and I, I love Durant as a player. I don't think he's a bad guy, but he's also like the Twitter burner guy. You yep. know what I mean? Like Agreed. He's probably the most likable of those three and then, you know, Harden, like, I, like, I sort of like Kyrie, where, like, in Houston, they did everything to cater to him. and They did everything to try to make it right for him. And at the end, he just, I mean, he, like, tried to blow the team up. You know what I mean? Like, so you have these three guys who, and, and I think KD's a little different because he let his contract expire and all of that. And I don't think he was, like, a bad guy on the way out with the Warriors. But you look at the departures of the other two, and like you, you just add it up, and it's like, and then and then on top of that, and like look, like you're in Chicago, so you can like, the Brooklyn fan, the Brooklyn Nets don't have real fans. Like everybody I know from New York is a Knicks fan, no question. And the people and the people who were Nets fans and are from New Jersey, and they don't like them anymore because they left for Brooklyn. So like you look at the crowd, and it's like those are all all those fans are fake. You know what I mean? Like so. Add the whole thing together. I mean, am I off base on any of this? No, a hundred percent agree with you. It is such an unlikable team. It just, it feels like, and it's, it just the whole thing feels so contrived, and it's like, 
I don't know, like the like the Bucks, for example. At least the like with the Bucks, right? Like they found Giannis. You know what I mean? Like and he re-signed to stay there, right? And you want like you want at least some of it to be organic and not just contrived. And like like the only reason it happened, and like like and like so much of it's just because those guys wanted to be in New York. You know what I mean? Like Agreed. so, there's so much of it that I think. It's contrived. I think it's destructive to like the competitive balance of all sports that things go that way. Um, and look, like it's those guys' right to play wherever they want and all that. Like I, I'm not begrudging them that. But do I think it's good for the NBA? No. Do I think it's good for all sports that things go this way? No. I mean, to me, you know, it's funny. I remember. Um, you remember Martellus Bennett? The, yep. uh, the, the and he was there in Chicago, right? Yep. So like he and Jermichael Finley were coming out the same year, and I remember at the combine. Them saying like they, they they played AAU basketball together, right? Mm-hmm. And I it was either it was one of the two, either Jermichael or Martellus was up at the podium, and they were joking around about how like they went to a certain because they liked that team's gear, right? When they were teenagers, doesn't that isn't that what this is? Like, isn't it like like it's like an AAU team, right? Like it's a bunch of supers. It's like. It's like the three superstar players are going there because they like, like, because they like the team's gear. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I mean, like, I just don't think like, I think for anybody who wants to see competitive, it's like some level of competitive balance in sports and some level of mystery and all like who's going to win. Like, it's not a good thing, you know? And, you know, if you want there to be, and I'm not saying like, you know, that it was ever in the NBA where every team had a chance to win, but it would be nice if there were like, say seven or eight teams going into the playoffs where you can say that those teams could legitimately Agreed. get to the finals. And it doesn't feel that way right now. Hey man, we got a roll, but thank you for your time. I hope you had a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. And thanks for going long on that cat, but you know how strongly I feel about it. Yeah. So. I'm right there with you. Appreciate you. All right. All right. Later. See you. Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback. Uh, and with us every Tuesday at eight. So Patrick Mahomes has a new goal. That's right. It's an interesting one. I don't know if it'd be my goal. What do you say? We'll tell you about it next. Next. That's why I say Shot. No shot. With Cap and J Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. That's why I say Shot. No shot is brought to you by Points Bet Sportsbook at Hawthorne Racecourse. Points Bet Sportsbook is now open. Download the PointsBet app right now and then stop by Hawthorne Racecourse in and out in two minutes to register your account. Danny. Gentlemen. So the Bears begin their voluntary offseason workouts this week at Hallis Hall, which is an exciting thing. That means the quarterback competition officially begins. I ask you, gentlemen, shot or no shot head coach Matt Nagy, when he meets the media this week, he will be honest about how the competition is really going. I'm going to say no shot. He'll say, yeah, Justin looked good because he doesn't want, you know, to tamp down any enthusiasm they have for the kid and for the franchise, but he's not going to go, boy, you wouldn't believe the reads this guy made. I'd say he's got the lead right. No shot. He's going to try and do anything he can to make it slow down. See, I think there is a shot that he'll be honest because I like I think he's just an inherently honest guy 
And but I'm with you, Cap. I don't think this is going to come come off as like Justin Fields absolutely blows them away. Like I I just think no matter what, it's going to be very difficult for Justin Fields to go out there and prove that you know he's automatically the starter day one. Mm-hmm. I think he just by the virtue of him being a rookie and having to learn things that Matt Nagy is not even going to have to lie. He can be honest in his assessment, and that doesn't mean that he won't be the starter come week one if we get to that point. I think Matt Nagy told you and Hoodie when he was on that it, a lot of it comes down to the way Andy Dalton's progressing in training camp and in the preseason and how Justin Fields looks throughout this entire period of time. It's not just going to be a three or four, you know, three or four practices that's going to prove to you whether or not he needs to be the, the quarterback. They know his talents. But he's going to need to show an understanding of the playbook and just NFL-level defenses before they're going to go ahead and hand the reins over to him. Uh, There you go. Danny. Gentlemen, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. He's in his 40s. Phil Mickelson at 50 just won a major. And Helio Castroneves, who's also in his mid-40s, just won the Indy 500. So it seems as if old guys in the sports world keep winning. Gentlemen, I ask you, shot or no shot, this trend of seasoned vets having great success will continue. I'm going to say shot because of training and diet. Guys are not playing to their age anymore. I mean, what was it? Stuart Sink was winning. He was, what, 49? I mean, we're seeing that in golf. Mm -hmm. Drew Brees was outstanding up till the very end. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP at 37. LeBron is still a beast at 36. Yeah, I think the trend continues because of diet, exercise, and conditioning. Yeah, I think it's unmistakable that people are going, as long as you take care of yourself, you'll have an opportunity to extend your career. Specifically, too, when you point to things where, I'm not saying they're not athletes, but in terms of like what what is being asked of you physically as a golfer, as a, as as a as a driver, or even a, even as a quarterback who just plays the position from the pocket, mm-hmm. you, you're asked to do less athletically. You know what I mean? So I think I think in those specific situations as well, you have the opportunity. Now, the one who's most impressive to me when you laid it out there, Cap, is someone like LeBron who's doing what he's doing at the age of 36 because of the physical demands of basketball. But we also may be seeing LeBron break down a little bit before our very eyes. So. I'll be more impressed when I see, you know, them do it at like I'm trying to think of like what what would be uh, ath- when athletically when you're looking at a person and you're like wow physically what they're doing is impressive. That to me is where it it's becomes more of a conversation. Like when someone who's 40 is doing something, you know, in a track and field event. What about if he's a jockey of a horse that wins a triple crown race? And he's, yeah, that's uh, no, it's not. Then that you're impressive. a passenger. I mean, yeah, the, that's not what? that impressive. Oh my god! The next, Do you guys, you know, know how ridiculous that sounds. I will be impressed when a five-year-old horse wins the Kentucky Derby. That yes. will impress me. Good, good analogy, Jeff. Oh my God, Danny. Naomi Osaka announced her withdrawal from the French Open. She is the world's number two ranked tennis player. She sprung the news yesterday in a lengthy Twitter post saying, quote, the best thing for the tournament for other players and her well-being is if she withdraws. So I ask you guys, shot or no shot, Osaka is doing herself in tennis a great disservice by withdrawing from this major tournament. Yeah, I'm going to say no shot because only she knows how she is feeling mentally. 
And if she feels that she cannot, for the goodness of her mental health, be at her very best and she needs to step away, good for her that she has the ability to step away and get healthy. But if you want to compete on that stage, you have to follow the rules like every other player. And we've had, I think it was Roger Federer. I think it was Billie Jean King, Martina Navratilova. There's been a number of former players who have said, I don't think the tour handled it right. Try to work with her. But in the end, you got to do the press events. That's what markets the sport. That's what helps pay these massive purses they get when they win. And she's also, you know, part of that sport. So I wish her nothing but the best. Not going to be that guy that rips her for it. But if you come back, you got to do what the requirements of the tour are. I don't believe it's Naomi Osaka who's doing the disservice. I think it's tennis that's doing the disservice to their fans by not finding a way to work with her in order to help her overcome her anxiety that she suffers when dealing in these press conferences. So for me, it's just a matter of like when you have the most talented people in the world and you're maybe not one of the you're you're not the NFL, you're trying to draw in as many viewers as possible. You as a sport should do your best to try and work with the people who people want to see. And so for me, the disservice is being done by tennis, not Osaka. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Danny. That's all the time we have for shot or no shot. What's the Kim Kardashian question? Oh, Kim. Not going to get to it (laughs) again. I'll just say Kim Kardashian, shot or no shot. That's not a question. Um, The uh, Kim, that is. All right. Does Naomi Osaka owe tennis more than just withdrawing from the tourney to avoid meeting the media? What is your take on all of this? 312-332. Three seven seven six. If you miss the news, she's one of the greatest players in the world, male or female. She's an amazing tennis player. She said she gets incredible anxiety dealing with the media and having the same questions repeated. And the tur- the tournament, French Open, said, "Sorry, that's part of the requirements. You must attend the press conferences." So she dropped out. She said, "That's fine." I'm going home. And she went home. And she's getting blasted in some parts, praised in others. I'm in the middle. I hope that she gets her mental health issues addressed to the best of her ability. But if you're going to come back, I think you have to follow the protocol that is set down by the tournament. So what do you think? 312-332-3776. Be right back.